welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, I'm really excited for this week's episode. Um, this week, we are sitting down with Danny, whose trail name is Oreo. Uh, and we're talking all about her adventure, um, the epic adventure of uh, the Pacific Crest Trail this year. Um, once again, we've done a handful of episodes about through hiking, which uh, someday... Um, the dream is that I will, uh, experience maybe not the entire like Pacific Crest Trail or AT, but I definitely want to go on, um, some sort of through hike in the future. It's definitely on my bucket list. Um, and every time I sit down and talk with people who have done these, uh, these trails, I'm just riveted by their stories. Um, I think it describes like when I imagine when I imagine just like leaving my house and like changing everything like I just have to imagine going out and hiking through the woods for five months would completely change your life. Um, you would learn so many lessons. Uh, you would have to leave the trail a different person than uh, than who started the trail. Um and I also think just the confidence of heading out into the wilderness with nothing but uh, the supplies on your back and having the confidence of, I'm going to be out here. I'm probably not going to you know, be around a town or a city for, for a few days or a week or so, but I have everything on my back that I need to survive. Um, and I think that kind of confidence and that kind of freedom is is what makes uh, through hiking and those big trails really special and really special to hear about, really special to kind of like, you know, hear the tales from from uh, these folks that hike these. Um, along with everything else, you know, that you hear about through hiking, the community, um, the trail angels, everyone involved that, that help people along the way uh, reach their goal. Um, I think it's really cool when a community can come together and really support each other and encourage each other to uh, push through hard times and and get to the end or whatever, get to their their final goal spot. Um, in Danny's case, which you're about to hear, uh, she has so many stories and I'm like, wow, man, we can't there's no way we can even like crack the service in an hour. Uh, so at some point in the future, we'll have her back on because I definitely want to hear more more tales from the trail. Um, but we hear about just a massive amount of snow that the PCT had. And uh, and if you go to the trek.co, um, she wrote a couple blog posts there. And I think the one she wrote in May which I respect as a Game of Thrones fan because it's the one where winter is coming. Um, she quotes Game of Thrones and says, when the snow falls, I'm not going to try to do a Game of Thrones accent. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. Um, she said, when the snow falls and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Um, and then hearing her story uh, about teaming up with a group of other hikers as they battled through this really deep snow um, that hadn't melted yet. Uh, and you can look at all of her pictures if you go to the trek. But 
um, I really like that story. I like uh, the idea of, of teaming up with a group of people and forming forming a team and, and really helping each other succeed. So uh, anyways, let's get right into it, guys. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 165 with Danny or you can call her by her trail name, Oreo. So anyways, welcome to the show, fresh off uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. I'm stoked to be here. I'm really excited when you asked me. I was like, oh my God, I have so much to tell you. But then, yeah, <laughs> I kind of had to pause a little bit and be like, okay, we don't have that much time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess this is the question everyone probably asks like every through hiker, but how did you get the nickname Oreo? Most people think it's because I really like the cookies, but it surprises most of them when I tell them I got my name because I look like one. It was the first couple of weeks when we were hiking through the desert and I was wearing a long sleeve hiking shirt, nothing major. And I, at one point it got so hot I took my shirt off. So my arms were super tanned and my legs were really tanned, but my stomach was white, super, super white. And one of my guys who was hiking with was like, you look like a cookie. You look like one of those Oreo cookies. I don't know. And that just stuck. Nice. Did you find like... Uh like meaning in the name you know you know what i mean like at first you're like why did i get this nickname and then did you find meaning as you went through the trail i did actually i really i come to really like it i had a few other trail names but none of them really stuck so my first one was oompa loompa because <laughs> i was the smallest in the group <laughs> but i didn't really like that and it's really hard you have to say it over and over again hey i'm oompa loompa and then, you know, it's such a tongue twister. I didn't really like it. Yeah. And then I had Lost Spoon that was in the mix because I, I like would always, every single day, lose my spoon. It was in the tr Pringles container once. It was in my electronics bag. <laughs> I would, it would just never be where it was supposed to be in my food bag. And that kind of didn't stick either. So, yeah. Yeah. I was a cookie from that day on. <laughs> That's awesome. You know how, like, this is how... how uh how kind of like dumb I am uh when I first saw your name uh Danny Oreo I'm like I wonder if she's related to the Oreo people who make Oreos I, I wish. and then I'm like oh yeah trail name duh what come on <laughs> um that's so cool so I gotta ask you um to start off why the Pacific Crest Trail so um you know you live in Europe and and so like what was it about the Pacific Crest Trail over the Appalachian Trail or the Continental Divide or any of the other like big long trails in the US? Yeah, um, for me, I think it was a f while ago that I've heard about the AT for the first time, but I didn't think that I was able to go into the US for such a long time. I thought I could only go for a couple of months, then have to, you know, jump into Canada and then come back and for a minute that just was way too complicated so I kind of just got rid of that idea I never thought about long distance hiking again and then I moved to Vancouver and I lived there for about a year and um, someone told me that the there's a long distance trail that ends in Vancouver Manning Park and I just googled it and I just really liked the pictures <laughs> and just decided to go for it so I don't really have like a real emotional story to it Google just kind of sold it to me and I just thought, you know, why not? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So 
I guess, can we kind of like dive into your story a little bit? Like take us back, like um, from what I read, I read a couple of your blogs on the Trek, uh, which were super cool. Uh, highly recommend them. Um, but it talks about being a... Uh, like a traveler, like over the last few years, you've been kind of like a full-time traveler. Can you kind of get into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I, I just grew up normally in Germany and then went to school. And I just remember I was sitting in classroom and our teacher was asking us what we wanted to do, you know, after school, if you wanted to study or find a job. And I just remember that I just kind of panicked and I didn't know what to say. And I think in that moment I was always looking kind of into beachy towns and I came across Australia and in that moment I when they asked me what I wanted to do with the rest of my life I just panicked and I said I'm going to Australia for a year and once I said it out loud it kind of you know now I had to do it I told everyone in class that I was gonna go so I started saving and that was in 2012 so I went for the original gap year that we Germans like to do, just to go abroad for a year, figure yeah. our life out, you know, figure out what we want to do. And it just turned out to be a bit longer than just a year. So I extended on two years, then wanted to go home, but New Zealand was just around the corner, you know, so I thought obviously, I yeah. over there. Obviously, <laughs> it's right there. And then I did my year in New Zealand and then I wanted to fly home. And then all these Malaysian airline planes went missing. So I kind of thought, okay, not a great idea to fly right now. Yeah. So Asia was right around the corner. <laughs> so I went to Asia, you know, spent a bit of time there. And then after four years altogether, it's the first time I flew home. Wow. And I surprised my family and it was a whole deal. And I was home for a month and I got, you know, this itchy feeling of I can't do it. And then I just within a week booked a flight to London and... It's just been rolling from there and then I went to Canada and traveled a bit of Iceland and Europe and yeah, I think now it's almost nine years of just traveling and That's so cool. Working and volunteering in different countries and just finding jobs, saving the money and then with the money I earn in those jobs I just continue traveling and yeah. take the next country. That's so cool. So what is the like what did your first year look like? And I guess I gotta ask like were you always the type of person who was like comfortable with just travel, like flying halfway across the world uh, where you probably didn't know anybody and just kind of like figuring no. it out? Yeah, that was, I don't know what was wrong with me at that point. <laughs> I just, I think <laughs> I, I was not really the type of person that would do, you know, stuff like that to just go out and cause I've never, I've never flown before. Um, I've never been to a country by myself, you know, mom wasn't there. I had to organize everything by myself. I mean, it was just really weird. I think I just booked the flight and I just went for it. And it was all the adrenaline at that moment, yeah. every step of the day that was pumping that I didn't realize what I was doing until my second week in. And then I found a job at the hostel where I was staying just to work for accommodation and, I think the hardest thing was learning English because I wasn't really comfortable with it. And the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to do it is to improve my English. Yeah. So I just started jobs with, you know, cleaning toilets because I didn't, I did not have to talk to anyone. So that was easy just to get the hang of the language. And then the better my English got, the better jobs I got. Yeah. Like more of. opportunities. Yeah. And I just but... worked my way up and 
Yeah. Yeah, that's. It was really. It was weird though. It was way out of my comfort zone. Something I've never done before, and you know, every day was a new challenge, and you just learn day by day and take it challenge by challenge, and then you just boost your confidence. Yeah. One day at a time. That's so cool. So I feel like that kind of like runs right into the Pacific Crest Trail, right? Like what oh you just God, described, yeah. you could apply that same lesson there. So, um, I mean, were you? When you were traveling, were you like doing things outside in the wilderness? Were you doing any big hikes uh, to prepare you for Pacific Crest or did you just kind of go into that fresh? Yeah, so at that point, I well, I didn't really know that I was going to do the PCT. Yeah. Um, I think that only started when I lived in Canada. So it was about a year and a half before I started the trail. Um, and that was also one of my very first long distance hikes. Yeah. Um, I've done about a week here, a couple of days there, you know, all these little trails and trips that you do when you're in those countries. And then I think the longest I've done with my best friend, we hiked across Switzerland. So from Geneva to Liechtenstein, and that took about roughly a month, a okay. little bit less than that. Yeah. But that was about the longest trip I've ever done. So even for me, the PCT was a whole different <laughs> Well, that might be, there's good things and bad things about that, right? Like just yeah. not knowing, uh, going in, um, what, like, what would your preparation look like then? Like, when did you decide you were doing it for sure? And then what was like the next steps? Um, so when I decided I wanted to do it, that was kind of all I needed to know because every time I set my mind to something, I'm just doing it. Yeah. So I spent about a year and a half trying to save money and gathering the remaining pieces of the gear that I needed. And because I did not have that much money, so every few months I would just buy one item, save money and buy the next item and just do that over a period of, yeah, almost two years, like a year and a half, two years. And um, yeah, preparation-wise was a bit of a bummer because I, at that point, moved back to Germany and the part that I live is flat as a pancake. Yeah. We don't even have a hill. It's just flat. Like mountain training, it's just not happening. <laughs> so I actually went to the gym just to get a free membership for about a week just to use the Stepmaster. Yeah. <laughs> just to get some sort of elevation training in. And then once my week was up, I was like, okay, well, that, that was it. So now I just need to walk. <laughs> yeah. So I walked back and to and from work, but that was all the training I did. Yeah. Nothing major. I do Spartan races, so I'm an endurance athlete a little bit there. Yeah. So I do a lot of racing, so that was kind of the only thing that, I, that kept me active, just running those races and training for them. Yeah. Is but, that yeah, any way like – comparable to like can you compare a spartan race to hiking the pacific crest trail is there is there certain parts of each that kind of like help each other out or is it just like no they're completely two different events um i think they compare in a way that you have no idea what's lying ahead what lies yeah. ahead yeah you know they sometimes they don't even give you a map you stand at the start line and you know roughly how long it's going to be yeah and you just have to roll with it but i do also do like the hurricane heats so those are parts of the endurance events where you basically just rock up with your kit list and you know that it's roughly going to be four, twelve, 12 or more hours 24 but that's all you know and you don't even know if it finishes at that certain time so you just have to push through until they tell you that you're done oh that's cool 
Yeah, so if they tell you four hours, if you sign up for a four-hour event, it could potentially even last eight hours. <laughs> so they just, they, you're finished when they tell you you're finished. So what? I think that, That's yeah. cool. I've never heard of that. Is that through Spartan? Yeah, so those are uh, the hurricane heats. Okay. Yeah, so it's basically you have the four, 12, or 24 hours. Those are like the main, I call them mainstream ones. Yeah. And uh, the four-hour one is technically like a team-based event where you have to work with your team to get your tasks and events done. And then the 12-hour and 24-hour event, most of them have personal time hacks to it. So you have to still complete tasks with your team, but you also have personal time hacks. And if you don't make the time hack or something else happens, you get kicked out of the event yeah. with a handshake and good luck for next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I guess the whole like just not knowing what's what's in front of you and what's coming at you, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, and just take obstacles, you know, and just getting over these obstacles as well as you can. Yeah. That's like the yeah. best lesson endurance racing has taught me is you don't know what you're going to face when you're at the start line and you might as well just be flexible and keep a positive attitude and be ready for it. Yeah. So cry a little bit and continue. Hey, crying's okay. You know, (laughs) Oh, I've cried so many times. (laughs) Yeah. You can totally cry. It's totally fine. Just keep going. Just keep walking. Yeah. That's it. Keep moving forward. Never give up. Yeah. Um, so I want to hear about, uh, I don't know. I always think it's interesting to hear about day one or like the first week I feel like, cause I yeah. just feel like the first couple weeks, it probably takes you a while to get into your rhythm, you know? So yeah, what, what did that feel like day one? Like you take off, like, I don't know. What are you thinking about in that moment? Or is it overwhelming? Are you kind of like, I don't know if I can do this or is there no self doubt? I think for me personally, I was just super excited. Yeah. I think just planning this for such a long time in advance and yeah, I was just super, super excited, but the <laughs> the car ride to the monument, you know, you can see the Mexican border slowly getting bigger and you're crazy just looking out of the car trying to find the monument. Um, I, I got actually, I got nervous a little bit, definitely. It was a mix of feelings of being nervous, completely freaking out, almost crying, and then just being super excited, yeah. all within a range of a five minute, <laughs> five minutes. Oh, I was, and then, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm just smiling because it was such a intense moment. And as soon as we hit the monument, and I actually touched it and signed the logbook, and I took pictures, just excitement just took over. I was just super excited, and also I think a little bit of disbelief. I could not believe that I was actually there. So it's it's a little bit of a blur yeah. the whole first day because, you know, you plan so much for this moment, but then you get there, you touch the monument and you're overwhelmed with so many feelings that it just feels like, okay, this is just not happening. And then you just walk and day one is over just like that. <laughs> and you wish you could go back and just relive it because like, I really need to appreciate this more, but yeah, it, it's just, so, it's just such a blur. That's that's crazy. So is there other people like did you start with other people around or like you literally just start walking completely by yourself? So I was very lucky. Thank you, Instagram. You are a great source. Um, <laughs> when I applied for my permit, the PCTA um, posted, you know, hey, we just you got you guys all got your permits. Tell us your dates. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I wrote down March 22nd and this other girl said hey I have the same start date and um, 
she was actually my trail angel from day one and she picked me up at the hostel and we spent a day at her grandma's and you know they cooked for us and treated us really really well and um, I did not want to leave yeah <laughs> the food was incredible <laughs> and her mom and her grandma they basically drove us to the monument and we started together oh that's awesome yeah so that's yeah. cool so right away you kind of make that bond make that connection you know because yeah. I just I think it would be almost it would be really intimidating to just set out on your own and the car drives away that dropped you off and now you're just by yourself that would be pretty yeah pretty a weird moment but yeah, yeah so did you end up sticking with her the whole trail or just for the beginning no so we hiked together on day one and then the next morning i took off because there was a big climb ahead and i knew i was going to be slow and i yeah. wanted a head start yeah um, but that's the magical part about hiking such a long distance trail because you meet all these incredible people and you hike a day or two together or even camp together or just pass them and then you just don't ever see them again yeah. until you finish. Yeah. So we kept leapfrogging a little bit and, you know, I saw, I, I just completely lost her for a couple of weeks and then a month later I saw her in a different town and I was like, oh my God, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, She's like, I walked. And you're like, I, I walked too. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's the one part I love about the trail. You meet all these incredible people for a couple of hours and then you lose sight of them and you just keep track on Instagram a little bit, you know, trying to figure out where they are, trying to catch up. And then when you least expect it, they just suddenly walk around the corner and there they are. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I know. That's that's the thing. Like, I mean, there's so many aspects of the pacific crest trail or the at or any of this long distance hiking there's a lot of things that sound really appealing to me um yeah. one is just like the journey and the quest and how epic it is you know but the other one is just the community of people it seems like everyone on the trail um from stories you hear it seems like most people are you know, everyone's doing the same thing. You all have the same goal. You're all working towards it. And, and I don't know, it just seems like a welcoming community. Oh, it really is. I always say when people ask me what the community was like, and I'm not even talking hikers, I'm talking everyone in these trail towns, this hiking, the PCT has definitely restored my faith in humanity in a way. Yeah. And it's I, people always try to remind me it's like yeah this is but this is not what the entirety of the u.s is like i was like no let me live in my bubble <laughs> everyone is just so incredibly nice i i've never experienced the kind of kindness that i received on trail that's from hikers day hikers through hikers just trail angels all along the way who just give you rides in and from town who host you who feed you who just suddenly just rock up with a banana and the best tasting <laughs> apple you've ever had in your life <laughs> and just give you hugs. And it's just so generous and kind. And I don't know, it's, it's incredible. I've never experienced love like this. Yeah. Like I did on trail. Yeah. Um, when, like how early on did, was that apparent? Like, was it in the first couple weeks or, I mean, you already mentioned, before the trail even started, you got to yep. go to someone's grandparents' house and get delicious food and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, like, I, yeah, like you said, it was before day one, even for me, the trail yeah. magic started. And then it was right, you know, 
the first night, you know, people help each other set up tents um, because, you know, it's the first day for some people. They've never backpacked in their life and you share food between hikers and you come into the first town and, you know, people just give you food. It just, it started right away. Yeah. But the longer I hiked, the more I cherished it even more because the first day you're still so overwhelmed. You're just super excited and, you know, people just... They're super kind and generous, but then the further you go on, the remoter these areas get, the more values these acts of kindness are because, yeah. you you know, you're on your own for a very long period of time and then suddenly this person rocks up and just said, hey, you are, are you a PCT hiker? And you're like, yes. And like, Would you like some food? You're like, like, of, yes, course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. That's so cool. I think out of everything, like, that more than anything else makes me want to do something like that because i mean even i've had like day hikes and you even in day hikes you get that kind of feeling but to have that for like five months just that's all you have like that's the experience you have for five months that sounds so like like you said like life-changing and kind of changes your view on humanity because I don't know. I just think we, we see a lot of it from the internet and I'm like, that's not a good representation of what people are actually like face to face out there. You know, mm -hmm. um, it is really healing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so how did the desert go for you? So you started in the desert. Um, I know that can be difficult. So how did that, um, how'd you handle it? I think I remember the first time I was so close to just sending an email to the PCTI asking for my imaginary money back because the desert is not flat. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, Yeah. but I expected a dry, orange, yellow, I don't know, wasteland, but it was definitely hilly and yeah. it was hard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, the desert is absolutely beautiful, especially with the high snow year that we had this year. Um, we had the water streams were all full. We had incredible flowers on trail and it was green and not everywhere, but, you know, it was just a lot more. Everything came to life and it was absolutely stunning. I don't know what I expected from the desert, but it was more than I expected, I think. Yeah. Do you have absolutely. to? That's do you have to like. I, I mean, you have to be more. Do you have to be more conscious of your water in I mean, that's a silly question in the desert, but like, how did yeah. you go about doing that? Like, are you aware of where um, you're able to go and like filter water and stuff? Yes. Yeah, so we had an app that we hike with, so it's called Gut Hooks. So it's basically an app for your phone that has the entire trail on it in sections. And it tells you where the nearest campsites are, where the water sources are. And hikers can actually comment on every water source. Oh, so you cool. can see what the, you know, if the water is full, if it's dry, or if, you know, if there's just a drizzle, if there's too many mosquitoes in and you need to filter. Of course, you should filter every water source. But yeah, we were really lucky to have that app because it was incredibly helpful. And um, <laughs> some of the people on trail, they always used to make fun of me because I always carried about five to six liters of water with me. Because I was so paranoid that I would at any point run out of water. Yeah. Because I drink so, so much. I drink a <laughs> liter at night. I need a liter for my evening chores, you know, cooking and brushing your teeth and all of that. And then 
every hill I drank two liters and I would always have way <laughs> too much. <laughs> yeah. So I carried a heavy, heavy pack, but um, I think it was worth it. But I've learned my lesson after the desert and I cut it down to two to three liters. Yeah, yeah. I think it's peace of mind though. You know what I mean? Like if you oh, can hike is. with the peace of mind of like, I'm not going to run out and, uh, you know, be scrambling through the desert without water. Like, I don't know. Yeah, There's something to be said it, about yeah. that. So, and I always said, if I can do the same miles that you guys do with the heavier pack, I'll, I'm fine. This is just extra training for me. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm just getting my legs strong, ready for the mountains. Yeah. The mountain it's all training. Here. It's all training. Yeah, exactly. I know it's funny. You're like, it's all training. And then you get to the last day and it's, you're probably still, it's probably still difficult. And you're like, it's still, we're still training here. Um, yeah, uh, that's cool. So what, like, what other challenges did you, did you face in the desert? Ooh, in the desert, I think just getting my trail legs was the main thing. Um, not freaking out that around every corner could be a rattlesnake. Yeah. That was my, my main concern. Every time I went around a corner, I was just scared there would be a big snake on the trail. Um, we saw a few of them. We even saw a baby rattlesnake, which is so cute. Um, but we kept our distance. <laughs> but uh, one time I, I did a big, big jump because I went around a corner and this big snake decided to have a siesta between the rocks right on path. And it rattled at me when I walked past. So I jumped back and the girl I was hiking with at the time jumped forward. Oh, so no. we were, <laughs> the snake was right between us and... I did not just want to walk past and it started moving towards the trail, but then going backwards. I was like, I don't know what it's doing. So I turned right, scrambled all the way across this hill and then all the way back down just to avoid that one snake. But yeah, worth it. Worth it. Definitely. No, yeah. Definitely no rattlesnake it. bites. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. It rattled at me, but uh, yeah, nothing happened. I took a long, long detour <laughs> around it. Did you, after that, the rest of the day, did you think every stick or whatever on the trail was a snake? Because that's what I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and it's really annoying because there's, I don't know what the plant is, but it was just a dry plant. And if you walk past it, it actually sounds like a rattlesnake. So my friends used to make fun of me all the time and try to rattle this bush when I walked past because I knew <laughs> I was going to jump. But, um,. Yeah. Yeah. Every stick, every shadow, everything was a snake. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. How how quickly from the beginning of the trail, like how long until you get to your first town or your first place where you can go in and resupp- like get resupply and and take the first shower and stuff like that. For me, that was Julian. Okay. Um, I resupplied with a bit of snacks, you know, before then, every time I walk past a little town, uh, Warner Springs, so like Marina, I would just buy a couple of snacks just because I can, especially yeah. a soda. I was craving soda a lot. Um, but Julian was the first town where I went into a, t- into a hotel room and just had a shower and slept in a bed and ate pie. So they give you free pie for PCT hikers yeah. and... Yeah, that bed was glorious. So that was the first time that I did 20 miles to go into town because we really wanted to have a shower. So we pushed and pushed and pushed. I was never in, oh, I was in so much pain. Yeah. That was the worst 20 miles. I think when you do your first 20 miles, it hurts so bad. And then the next day was fine. Yeah. I was fine. 
my next day. It was just pushing this hard and just being absolutely tired and yeah. And then it's funny looking back on it now because we did a lot more miles in the you know in the next few months. But that one day, the one one day where we pushed 20 miles, that was really hard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was the what was like? I this is such a nerdy question, but like, what was the top mileage you guys did? Um, actually not that far. I think it was 31 miles wow. a day. I, I just did a personal choice. I just didn't want to push any further. Yeah. Cause for me, it was always, this is my first time in the U S. Oh yeah. Um, really? I, yeah. No way. So yeah. <laughs> I've never what a way to see the U S <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So that was my first time. So I decided to fly to the US for the first time and just hike, you know, do the yeah. PCT. And I just wanted to take it in. I really wanted to enjoy it. And especially coming from overseas, <laughs> for me, the worst thing that could have happened is injury, getting yeah. off the trail due to injury. And I did not want to push that hard. Yeah. And, you know, all that organizational stuff I had to do, the, the flight, it, it was not cheap. And, you know, coming over here and getting a visa and all of that, it just took so much effort and time. I did not want to ruin that for me. So yeah. I never really pushed more than 30 miles. Yeah. What was, what was the, like, did you, what was something you ate in the U.S. that you're like, this is a totally United States thing? You know what Pop I mean? Tart. <laughs> <laughs> you guys in your pop tarts pop tarts are good <laughs> I, don't I don't know what to tell you <laughs> pop tarts everyone eats pop tarts i've tried them and i'm so sorry i don't like them <laughs> did you eat them cold or were you able to warm them up no maybe that's why you gotta put them in a I toaster a yeah because we just eat them cold <laughs> yeah and you're like what is this it's just I know. pure sugar yeah. dough yeah that's hilarious oh my god that, that was funny. And then I think I got sent a picture from um, a trail family member. You have glow-in-the-dark candy, apparently. Yeah. That's news to apparently me, and I have, candy. like, six a six-year-old, so you'd think I'd know. <laughs> or, like, yeah, it's, I don't know. They took me to Costco. That was, oh, that was a horrendous experience. Yeah, I was so stressed out. But um, just the sheer size, I'm still amazed. I could go on forever. <laughs> just the size of your candy bags is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I cannot wrap my head around the sheer size and color. And then, you, you know, you have this really bright neon blue turquoise gummy bear. And they say, yeah, it's a fruit bear. I'm like, what kind of fruit is neon blue? <laughs> I don't understand. We're like, hey, it's a gluten-free fruit bear and you're like what come on no yeah, like, really? to be fair like costco isn't necessarily the best representation you know because everything there is like yeah. you get like eight thousand pounds of whatever ketchup or something you know yeah we couldn't even buy toilet paper because you get them in hundred packs too much yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's hilarious well that's cool that's a that's a really unique way to see america i have a feeling because yeah, you definitely you had the experience where you saw all the like natural beauty you know on the trail mm -hmm. but then you also saw the little like the little towns I, and i'm not sure like does the pct it doesn't go through any like major towns or it doesn't go by any major cities does it 
Well, do you count Ashland as big? I would I would count Ashland as pretty big, yeah. Well, it doesn't really go through it, but it kind of goes right past it, and the hitch into town isn't very far. Yeah. The same, so we go close. Okay, I thought it was close, but Sisters and Bend. Um, okay. Technically, it goes around LA in a very very big circle. Oh really? Like a half circle, yeah. It just goes around LA, so I'm assumed there must be a short way into the city. Yeah. Yeah, but. It passes a few major towns. It doesn't really go through a lot. Yeah, gotcha. That's cool. It's so, easy to go through, yeah. Yeah, so I I looked at your Instagram, and the pictures that stood out were the ones when you hit the mountains. and like The white ones? <laughs> oh, my God. The snow was insane. It was, like, post-holing, like, up to your hips. Um, yeah. Let's, can you kind of get into that? Because that seemed... It seemed like, I mean, I knew there was a lot of snow this year, but I didn't even make the connection of like, oh yeah, the people who are hiking these trails have to deal with that. Oh, it was so much snow. <laughs> when did you hit yeah. snow? Oh, um, actually I hit snow within my first two weeks. Really? Um, so, yeah. So down in Idlewild when we did San Jacinto, that was the first time we hit snow. Um, and I just, I have this video of me just sitting somewhere and being like, I don't have no idea where the hell I'm going. <laughs> it was just because the snow was so high that you could not see the trail. Yeah. And that was my first experience in snow on the PCT. And God Hooks is a lifesend. God Hooks saved us on so many occasions because it really tells you where you are and where you have to go. Yeah. Especially using your map and compass is great, but it's really hard doing it in a forest when everything is snow covered and you don't have a reference oh, point. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I think we celebrated our two-week anniversary on snow. <laughs> so it was right at the beginning. And then we had another snow patch around, um, where is it? Like Mount Williamson, that's where we had snow, and then the desert was pretty good, so yeah. it was just two patches where we had snow, and then we hit the Sierra. Were there so rumors, we, like, as you're going through the desert, were people like, I heard the Sierras are crazy this year, or, like... Oh, so much fear-mongering, so much fear-mongering. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was terrible. I did not want to talk to people about the Sierra. It yeah. was It was brutal. So many people, you know, this is basically all you talk about. The closer yeah. you come to Kennedy Meadows, the more the Sierra talk starts. And it's really exciting talking about it because, you know, you get closer and closer and closer. But everyone is just, you know, trying to freak you out. and Like, oh, you can't go through and we're going and we're getting snowshoes, ice axes, crampons, microspine. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> how much gear are you getting? And then I just decided from the start that I'm just going to go to Kennedy Meadows and going to see what is happening and then make a decision. Yeah. And um, I was together with four people at the time, my little trail family, and we decided when we got to Kennedy Meadows that we were going to skip because we got there on the 1st of May and it was... Oh, so that's super early on. That is so super early, yeah. And... I did not have the time to wait it out because I was on a visa. Yeah. So I was running out of time. So the more I just sit in Kennedy Meadows and wait, the less time I have to eventually even finish the trail. Yeah. I was really worried that I would run out of time. So 
we skipped as a team from Kennedy Meadows to Truckee and then went northbound from Truckee on. Yeah. Yeah, there was still snow. It looked <laughs> like there was still snow. snow. Yeah. Yeah. So there was tons of snow. When did you so hit that went... that craziness? Like, first of all, I got to say, when I was reading your article on the trek, there was a picture of a house or like a cabin. And yep. it's like a two-story cabin. Yeah. yeah, and it is completely yep. <laughs> under snow. It's crazy. Yeah. I like that picture a lot because every time people ask us, hey, why did you flip? Or, you know, how were the snow conditions? I show that one picture because most people know what the Peter Grupp hut looks like. And it is a two-story building and it has a letter on the back. And, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful building. We only saw the roof and the top window. Someone <laughs> dug out a big hole just that we are actually able to get into the hut. There was even a toilet that we didn't even see. It was all completely snow covered. And it's just such a good reference to anyone else who've ever hiked this trail. I'm like, yeah, this is what we hiked through. We still had 20 to 30 feet of snow. And uh, That's we were the first ones through. That was also a big big challenge at that point so when we went to Truckee we went to the information center and we asked them what the snow conditions were like we called five six people from Truckee up to Sierra City just trying to figure out what the snow conditions were like because none no, no PCT hiker had been through at that point we were the first ones and no no one else had any clue any idea of what was going on and the guy in Sierra City he basically just said yeah, I'm looking out the window. I can see snow. Like, oh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for that help. We thought. And he said, well, if you should be fine with micro spikes below 4,000 feet. And I said, well, that's fair, but none of the trail is below 4,000 feet. Everything is above six or seven. We're like, <laughs> yeah. like, what are we going to do? What should we do? And none of us, like, they, we just didn't know. So we just decided to just go for it. And uh, we decided to stick in a team of four, like my little trail family, and we decided not to do the snow section alone because it was too dangerous. We didn't know what we were getting into, and um, we stuck together for most of the time. We decided to stick together until the snow ends, yeah. which did not happen, so we stuck it out for the entirety of Northern Washington, <laughs> Oregon, no and way. then just had the same pace and decided to just finish off the rest together. <laughs> no way. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I loved on the, one of your blogs, you quoted Game of Thrones, which I had to give you mad respect for, uh, about the the lone wolf dying and the pack surviving. I'm like, that's so true, especially yeah. when there's snow up to your hips at certain spots and you're like falling into the snow like... I don't know. So how, how much did that slow you down when you hit those sections? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So, you know, people hiked the high Sierra and I have mad respect for everyone who did that because I thought we were already struggling with navigation and the snow, but in the Sierra, you even, you have all of that snow plus the snowstorms that were still hitting oh. in mid May, June, you know, we still, people got snowed out out of the Sierra because the, we had these late, snowstorms that were still hitting the mountains and it was not safe people had frostbite you know and got out and it's so high in elevation and that's why we decided to skip two because we had more bailout points yeah. in northern california and um it was intense because we basically hiked in the snow for about a month and a half 
nonstop wow. with a, you know one or two days maybe break time when we got lower in elevation but um it was tough it was a good experience though a hard experience because we were the first PCT hikers who went through so we had to trailblaze most of it and um Every time you find a little patch of dirt where you set up camp, you wake up the next morning and everything is covered in snow again. Oh. And, you know, you're wet all the time, your socks don't dry. It's It really gets to you just mentally at one point because you just have to drag through the snow all the time. We did from 25 miles a day, we had to cut it down to 10, wow. 10 miles a day. And we hiked for about 15, 16 hours just Jeez. doing about... 10 to 11 miles a day all day hiking all day <laughs> that's so rough wow so i mean i guess like safety reasons yeah you want to stick with a group but also i mean yeah do you think mentally you would have been able to push through because i'm i guess what i'm imagining is probably the situation where someone in the group is having it a rough go at things but then the other ones kind of like pick them up and then and then the next person has a rough go at things and everyone else picks them up and like it just like is that how it went or what like with the with other yeah, people you're with? yeah 100 percent. my group was a huge support system um i remember this one day which is also one of my favorite days that i've had on trail um we camped on a dirt patch we woke up the next morning and it had dumped eight inches of fresh snow on us and we woke up and we were just miserable. It was cold. None of our stuff was dry. And um, we were like, we all just looked at each other like, really? We got to do this again? <laughs> and then we just started a snowball fight. Because um, I said, we got to just try to make the best out of it. And we just have to try to make this fun again because we were all just dragging. So we we just had we spent an entire hour just having a snowball fight and uh, then started walking we packed up really late the guys had a coffee and uh, we continued hiking and it turned out to be the most incredible day I've ever seen it was just no one had walked through this area before it was just a pure winter wonderland something I've actually never experienced like this just pure white snow crystals and it was absolutely beautiful and then we just continued, you know, having snowball fights and just jumping into the snow, trying to make snow angels. And, yeah. you know, the guy in front of me, he would just wait and hide behind a tree, kick the tree and it would all land on me. And then, you know, you're just really aware. And that day we did none miles whatsoever, but it was just fun and we just made it fun. And it was really important to have that group with you because you go through days where life is just really hard and you think about quitting and yeah, just having that group that says, nope, got to keep going. Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, It helped a lot for sure. That's cool. Well, so this year I'm, I'm teaching a leadership class to eighth graders. Um, yeah, I heard. Yeah. And uh, it's I listened been... to that podcast on trail. Actually. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah, um, I've been, it's really interesting. So like situations like that where, you know, you said it was four of you guys. Um, we started as four and in North Cal, we lost one. So it was three of us. Okay. So when it's three people, like how, how are people stepping up as leaders and 
because I have a feeling like all of you guys, all three of you were leaders in certain ways, but like, are there specific examples you can think of, of like, Oh, this is the time I had to step up and be the person kind of like pushing the group on or, or, or something like that. Yeah. So we actually, so there was one guy I was hiking with, his name is sunshine and he was just the prime navigator. Like he was just really good at it and he loved it too. And, um, his GPS was also the fastest yeah. at time. He was just really, really good. And um, he would be amazing at just looking at the maps and the um, topo maps and just figuring out, you know, where the ridge lines were and how to get around it and maybe even find a shortcut because most of the time there was no trail for us. So we had to make our own trail. So um, he was really good at just navigating that. And then the other person that we had on our team, he was just really good he had a really good vibe about how the PCT works. Yeah. So he just, you know, if you walk this trail for months and months at a time, you kind of get a feeling for it and you kind of know how to walk without seeing it. So he was really good at just spotting where the trail would go through the trees. And then, yeah, I was just, a, you know, I would, I would just always like try to pep these guys up and yeah. keep the group together and, you know, crack some jokes. And we would take turns in navigating too. And I would be really good at spotting the little diamonds on the trees. And I think everyone just had, you know, their really great talents when it came to the snow. We just combined them all. That's like cool. It was just a really amazing group to hike with. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so you went the rest of the way. You guys like went the distance the whole, the whole way afterwards. Almost. Yeah, so it was the three of us through North Cal, and then we lost another one in Ashland. And then it was me and Sunshine who basically walked all the way through Oregon together. We picked up a couple of other hikers and did, you know, finished Washington together and then just came back to the Sierras. And then, yeah, it was a really, really great team we had, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, so wait, so you did you go back and do the Sierras then? Oh, yeah. No Definitely. way. Okay, cool. I was going to ask you if you had those, like, you know, you have to come back for revenge. Okay, cool. So, oh, yeah. all right. So, the last, your last day on trail wasn't getting to Canada then? Yeah, it was. Okay, oh. so basically, yeah. So, because I'm German, um, I cannot fly into Canada. Well, now that I think about it, I probably could have because there was no control whatsoever at yeah. the border. <laughs> But um, basically, I was only able to enter Canada via trail, and I did not want to touch the monument. That's such a Canadian thing. Done. <laughs> <laughs> like you can, you yeah, can only, also, you have to walk here and earn it. And you're like, okay, thanks, Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> Might as well finish big. Um, yeah, I really wanted to touch the monument when I'm done, and not before. It was yeah. just a pride thing I have. I don't know. I just did not want. I get it. That makes sense you know, to me. Yeah. You walk for so long for this little piece of wood, and I wanted to keep it for the very end. Yeah. So we basically, when we skipped the High Sierra back to Chucky, we did everything northbound um, and walked basically all the way um, and stopped about 60 miles before the Canadian border, flipped all the way back to Truckee and did the High Sierra, so the part that we missed, and then flipped back to do the last 60 miles. That's cool. That's exactly how I would have done it too, though. Like, I yeah. get that. You want to keep that sacred because, you know, I don't know. It's almost like you want to have that goal where you can visualize it. Like, you want to have it it's where so it's like, work. yeah, because otherwise you're like, 
well, I guess we just stop randomly on trail in this after the Sierras, and that's not as epic or as fun or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it a lot, and it probably would have been really, really great because for the High Sierra, we actually went southbound, so we went from Truckee back to Kennedy Meadows. So our last day would have been Mount Whitney. Oh, so that would been cool. You no. Know, that's not a bad way to end it, but there was there's something about that little piece of wood. I you know you 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 walk for five months every single day, just focusing on that little wood that is standing, it, like you know at the border, and yeah. I, I could not do it. I I needed this to finish the trail. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to ask you that. So, how often are you focused on the ending? You know what I mean? Every, every day? Like, I mean... Every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> because every day for me, there was something that hurt, you know? It, like, not every day was a bad day. Definitely not. There were so, so, so many brilliant days. But you get these little pains, you know? You, you look up this hill. You look at the elevation map, which they told me not to do, but I did anyways. <laughs> you look at the elevation map. You know you have to go this up it's hot, it's cold, you're wet, you know, it's up and down. And every day, there's something every day where you think this sucks. Yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then this monument, the monument pops into your head. And you're like, this is what I'm doing this for. I'm walking to touch the monument. Yeah. And you just keep going. That's... It got worse at the end. The last few weeks got really, really bad. You just think about it all the time. <laughs> and you just imagine what it would be like to finally get there and to touch that thing and just be done. You know, you think about it so much and it just consumes your entire day. I stopped listening to podcasts a week before I finished just because that's all I thought about. Yeah. That's all I could think about over and over again, <laughs> just going through my head what it would be like. Is it a weird feeling of you are excited for it to be done and like having having it complete, but at the same time kind of sad that you know what you're used to at this point is about to change it's such a roller coaster um personally for me it's really weird now because it still hasn't sunk in yeah i'm still having trouble understanding what i just did yeah um but it is it is such a weird feeling because you just walk this trail and the closer you get <laughs> You know when you have a pregnant woman, yeah, you know, you know when you are uh, pregnant, and you go through all these emotional changes. You cry, you laugh, you cry, you know, you just it's it's something like that, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> so I would just walk and I would just cry randomly throughout the day because you just get so overwhelmed with just knowing that you've just accomplished something bigger than you ever thought. You know, it's something that I never thought I was able to do this. I never even thought about it. it's such a big achievement. And it's so hard to wrap your head around how big it is. But you get these moments where you're so overwhelmed with emotion and just knowing what you've just done and you just start crying in the middle of the trail. And then five minutes later, you just laugh and you're just so excited and you're just so nervous. And then a minute later, you're just so sad because you don't know what else you're going to do. And, you know, you just you, you wake up, you don't have to walk anymore. Yeah. And it's it's a really really weird feeling i cried a lot before reaching the monument and then once i hit the monument i was so overwhelmed it's like okay i've done it let's yeah. go home yeah 
it's yeah that's so weird yeah my wife has actually speaking of childbirth she's compared climbing mountains to childbirth because she's like it's so hard and you're so beat up and you're so sore and all that stuff um but then like the next day you're like i think i could do that again you know and so she's like with kids it's like you go through childbirth it's painful and then like you know maybe not the next day but like a few months later like a year later like well maybe we could do that we could have another kid and you're like whoa that's crazy but then when you're pregnant you're like what was i thinking yeah like what <laughs> same like when you're going up the mountain again your legs hurt you're like oh man what was i thinking yeah but it's it's true you know it's i don't know you just oh you froze oh, oh you're back okay <laughs> i was like you just froze for a second i was like oh no he's gone <laughs> Yeah, but it's true, you know, it's the same. You walk a mountain, you, you curse so much. I've cursed so much climbing some of those <laughs> mountains. And then you reach the top and it's all worth it. Yeah. You know, they really make you work for it, especially the Sierra. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You um, got to work hard. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that's the whole idea about like any of these trails is you get way out there. You're not going to be around you know, hundreds of people all the time because yeah. I mean, you know, as, as well as I do, like when you're at a trailhead, it could be super busy. You could see hundreds of people walking around, but like, as soon as you walk like a mile or two, all of a sudden you're by yourself and you're like, Oh, this is why, because what I just did is hard work and not everyone's going to be able to do that or willing to do yeah. that. So it was actually really funny because when we hiked through the snow, it was like a month and a half that it was only the three of us for such a long period of time. And um, we got to, I think it was actually around Crater Lake that we camped with people together for the first time. And I just remember heading down to the campsite and I looked around to the sunshine. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. He was like, what? I was like, I have no social skills anymore. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> what do I say? Do I leave them in peace? Do I talk to them? Like, what do I do? I'm going to be all awkward. Like, I mean, you guys know me, but they don't. <laughs> like, it just gets really socially awkward sometimes. Like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you? Were you awkward? Well, I personally think I was, 100%. <laughs> I'm always a little bit awkward <laughs> and weird. You know, I'm like, oh, bubbly and weird in my own way and then you know people who don't know me they normally it takes a couple of minutes for them to get used to it but then if you're by yourself and on your own with a couple of other people for an entire month and then you get thrown into you know society and you smell and you're dirty and you you blow snot rockets and all of that and you're like i'm sorry <laughs> <I'm> like, okay <laughs> that's hilarious was was there any specific day or moment where you thought about quitting the trail i mean if there wasn't like that's totally awesome too like i i get that okay no no um i can't even count the days where i was not thinking about quitting um every day at least not really quitting but every day you do something a part of the trail and all you think is why am i doing this again yeah what was i thinking yeah <laughs> but there was um there were a couple, I think altogether, maybe three or four times where I actually thought about leaving. Just, you know, when you have a bad day and you just think, you know, people hiking around you or 
all the people you see on Instagram and everyone's just quitting. Everyone's dropping like flies. And oh, that's rough. it's so, so hard to keep walking when all the people that you know that are somewhere on trail are just quitting and leaving trail for various reasons. And it's just so difficult to keep going because when you're having a bad day, all you can think about is, you know, it's so easy to just quit. Yeah. All you have to do is just leave the trail. But, um, you know, I would never, I would, I would regret this for the rest of my life if I would. So I just thought uh, my rule was never quit on a hard day. So I would always wait until the next day. And most of the time it was fine. But there was one time where we were all thinking about, okay, why are we doing this? That was around North Cal where we were camping and it, it did not rain on us. It rainstormed on us. I woke up in a swamp. I was, you know, it was raining so hard. The rain was hitting the ground and kind of like jumping back up into my tent from the bottom up. That's how hard it was raining. Everything was soaked the next day and we didn't know what to do because the sun wasn't out. We couldn't dry our stuff. Everything we owned was completely soaked and we had to head back into the mountains with snow. And we, that was the one time where we were all like, okay, should we just go into town and call it? Or because it's a safety issue at that point too, because if all your stuff is wet, you shouldn't really be going out. But um, we just decided to hike. And as soon as the sun comes out, stop, drop everything and dry. Yeah. And lucky for us, the sun came out after two hours and we sat down for two hours and just dried everything out. And yeah, as soon as your stuff is dry, the mood goes up and yeah, yeah, that's but awesome. There were a few bad days for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, those are always interesting to me because it's like, how do you, how do I, I like how you describe that too because you really describe like what was going on in your head and the strategies you use to take you out of it because you kind of just have to. I have to imagine just kind of think like, hey, this this bad, it's a bad moment. It's not going to be a bad month or a bad rest of the trip or anything like that. Like you just have to put it in perspective, I guess. Um, I guess really quick to kind of like wrap up, which like I said, I'm totally, if you have, if you have more stories, like I'm more than willing to hear about them because I have so much. Okay. I have so many other, uh, questions and topics I wanted to get into, but, um, how are you like two weeks removed from the trail or like three weeks or, I finished on September 5th. Oh, okay. So, so you're about, not, about, about yeah, about then, two weeks. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. So how's that going? How's like re-entering regular routine and society and stuff like that? Uh... You're giving me the look <laughs> like don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Um, for me, I think because I had no time to realize what I just did because so once I finished the trail, I headed to Vancouver and because I lived in Vancouver for a year, I had a few friends there. So I spent an entire five days just catching up with people. So I was constantly on the move every day. I was seeing people and catching up and you know, there's no time for what you just did to sink in. Yeah. And then the crazy person that I am decided to five to from Vancouver to Scotland for a Spartan ultra race. <laughs> So I had that going on and um, I wanted to run the entire ultra race 
um, for fun, just to see how my poor legs are doing. I did three quarters of a lap, and then I found the race director. I was like, okay, can you just drive me back to the festival? I'm done. <laughs> and he was laughing. He was like, yeah, sure, I can. That's awesome. <laughs> so I just volunteered for the rest of it, and then I flew home, and yeah, I've just then it hit me. I got sick. I'm not sure if you can still hear it. My voice is still a little bit cracked up. I think it was just the exhaustion and yeah. you know everything else, jet lag and everything. My body just completely crashing. And uh, yeah, I always think I it's to- like your body's used to this like high state of stress, and then all yeah. of a sudden you don't have that anymore, and everything just catches up with you. Yeah. It was just so much, and I was just sleeping for two days straight while trying to find a job and a place to live, and uh, yeah, I'm just slowly starting, I'm just slowly starting to, you know, catch up with the world, and I found a job now, I found a place to live, so I'm just packing up right now, because I'm moving cities tomorrow, and uh, yeah, it's just weird, um, weird being back, because it just feels like it never happened. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's weird because everyone around me, none of them, none of those people have ever done anything like that. So it just feels like it never happened. That's why I always say to people who do such long hikes, I keep in contact with the people you hike with because post-trail depression is a real thing and it's probably going to hit very soon. But um, it's important to keep those people close and, you know, to have someone to talk to so you know that what you did is actually a real thing. Yeah. Because if you don't keep in contact with those people and then coming back and it just feels like it's it never happened, it, it can be really, really rough. So yeah, I can't I'm, I'm still dealing with that. It's weird. Yeah. Well, and then even, I mean, because I've never done a long through hike yet, I'll say, because yeah. I want to do yeah, it at I'll some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even like when I've, done things in the past and I've worked so hard for some goal and then you get that goal it is that weird moment of like you're trying to process it and I don't know and I've also had moments where I've learned these really clear lessons in my life because of whatever the event was and and then the event's over and then all of a sudden you're trying to like desperately hold on to those lessons and uh and some you do and some you don't and it's really weird it's like some some of that the lessons or the moments you had on trail or in some sort of ultra event or something like that like you you keep those lessons and you like internalize them um and then others just kind of like go by the wayside and it's it's bizarre it's weird so i feel for you i'm sorry (laughs) sorry for bringing it up (laughs) well it's just you know gotta plan something new now but yeah you just and that's also i think why i was so excited when you asked me to do you know to get on this podcast because i'm like yes i can relive everything and yeah you know it's just nice to talk about it and to have a refresher on that because i just have to remind myself that this is actually something i did yeah so it's really nice to people always ask me I was like i'm too scared to ask you all those questions I'm like please ask me i love talking about it just Give me everything you've got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, I mean, I would love to have you back on and hear more of your story at some point. Um, I'd love to. You, I'm sure you have hours and hours of tales. Uh, you know, yeah. I didn't even ask about the the possible mountain lion, bear, or like group of squirrels or something. You were like, I didn't know what it was, but it was big. And uh, 
yeah so we'll have to have you back on so thank you so much danny i really appreciated it um thank you so much yeah and best of luck for whatever future uh adventures you have planned because i'm obviously you have some in your head that i'm not even going to ask about yet out of respect to the pct so (laughs) (laughs) we will get into that at the next time i've got way more to written (laughs) sounds good sounds good all right we'll catch up with you again sometime soon thank you so much yeah bye (laughs) All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Huge thanks to Danny. Um, I really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, and we definitely want to bring her back on sometime in the next uh, month or so uh, to kind of continue the stories because an hour podcast cannot in any form capture uh, all the things that kind of happened and all the mindset shifts that happen in uh, – over five months so uh, definitely gonna gonna chat with her again sometime soon so uh, if you're subscribed to the podcast definitely be expecting that um, at some point um, as for all of you guys I hope you're having a good week hope you're finding some sort of goal it's starting to get cold here uh, which is awesome and I love it uh, but I also know that's kind of it's tempting to become a little more complacent when it comes to like athletic goals and for me I know when my alarm goes off at four in the morning and did you did when I said four in the morning did that sound like snarky like because I am I is not easy (laughs) when my I don't want my alarm to go off at four in the morning it's just the unfortunate you know circumstance of hey if I if I want to accomplish my goal, which right now I'm working towards uh, 50k um, for the Marine Corps Marathon um, in a few months or a few weeks, really, um, in Washington D.C., and I'm and I'm kind of like if I want to accomplish this and I want to have fun because that's the main goal of this time is like I just want to have fun during the race and CDC and um, kind of like just take it all in i've never done a big road marathon and this is a big road 50k that's like connected to a road marathon so it's gonna be super weird um but if i want to actually meet my goal um it requires training (laughs) and that unfortunately requires waking up at four in the morning and running at 4 30 in the morning and it's no fun every time the alarm goes off especially now I just want to stay in bed in the warm covers and keep sleeping. But I know that the way uh, my schedule is right now, it's super busy. And the only way I'm going to uh, be able to to get that in is if I wake up early. So um, it's not fun. I don't like it. Uh, but it is what it is. And you get, I got to do it. So I'm trying to remind myself that every day Um, this week, I felt pretty good about uh, how I handled um, training and life and stuff. We had parent teacher conferences at school, so um, not a lot of downtime, not a lot of free time, but I still was able to make time to go out and exercise and, uh, you know, get everything done that I needed to get done. Um, along with putting the podcast together and things like that. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is 
at times it, it can be hard, um, but it is what it is. And you just gotta, you just gotta do it. Um, and to relate to Danny's story, I mean, she woke up every day for five months or however long it took her. And I'm, I know there were days she probably didn't want to hike, but you just got to get going. And once you get that momentum, once you get, you know, you imagine pushing a car, once that car starts rolling, it's a heck of a lot easier to just keep pushing it, you know? So maybe the first few steps of the hike were probably tough for her on days, but I bet once she started going, um, it got easier and easier. And I know for me, the waking up part, the driving out to the trailhead or walking out my front door, that part's the hard part. Once I actually start running and actually start training, um, it becomes easier and easier every time. So, uh, yeah, but that's where we'll leave it this week. We'll get back at you next week. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon.